0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Dan McTagg on the line, senior petroleum analyst, and our go-to guy on such matters. Dan, how are you this afternoon?
1: I'm doing fantastic, and I need more than two bits to fill up my vehicle. So, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, that uh, might be on a liter. Uh, yeah. where, where are the gas prices going because of the soil disruption?
1: Yeah, well, four cents a liter. You would heard a lot of hype from another station, which I won't mention, that does a lot of all news, uh, saying it would be eight cents a uh, We stuck to our guns here yesterday and said it was four, and in fact, it is a four cent increase. And, Joan, just in case people are really nervous about this, and uh, no one likes an increase, uh, it might help them to know uh, because I haven't mentioned this anywhere that there will be a three cent a liter decrease come Thursday. So this may all be uh, about nothing, uh, but right now it looks like uh, gas prices going from one sixteen point nine. Uh, today, uh, a leader to 120.9 tomorrow, and then back down to 117.9 for Thursday. So not a big deal. Uh, A penny here, penny there, uh, 50 liters, that's your two bits. All
0: right. Listen, uh, how do we account for this? I mean, it's always flummoxed, even the finest minds in this. So it's four steps forward, three steps back by Thursday. Why?
1: Well, first of all, we got a bit of a a break. Uh, We happen to, uh, by happy coincidence, have the annual or semi-annual shift from uh summer blends of gasoline to winter blended gasoline and that's not uh you know that's not hocus pocus or pokery it has a lot to do with uh the fact that uh, the blend of gasoline changes uh, in the winter time to bring in and introduce things like butane uh, for all of us who've smoked in the past we know that that lights up pretty quickly great during winter uh, when there's less uh, uh, there's less heat it's less volatile so it, uh, it makes great for ignition in your vehicle but you don't want to be using it in the summer because it can uh, it can uh, obviously evaporate uh, it can become very volatile in your engine and uh, the ignition system so they then introduce alkylates which are very expensive in terms of the composition and that's really the big difference it's a four cent difference and that's Rather than getting an eight or nine cent uh, increase for tomorrow because of what happened in Saudi Arabia, we wound up getting only four cents, and of that four cents, three will be shaved off by uh, by uh, Thursday morning.
0: Again, with Dan McTagg, senior petroleum analyst. Now, on this impact of the Saudi Arabia, the drone attack that uh, knocked off five percent of the global output, and uh, this is rather significant. Uh, you know, you would think that maybe there'd be a greater. Uh, impact in terms of price at the pumps, but uh, since you're saying four cents a liter, we're going to take that to the bank. How serious is this going forward, though? Will it continue to resonate? Because they say now this may be uh, not just days, but weeks, months, before they even come back on stream.
1: Well, the assessment says that half of what they thought was out of uh, commission can be brought back on very quickly, which means a quarter uh, of the production was damaged. In other words, two million barrels a day. Still a big deal, uh, and still not verified. Uh, so I think we're in a very serious situation, both because of physically, we've never seen anything like this. I mean, you have to go back to uh, you know a period of time when there were problems, uh, say, in the Second World War with uh, product coming from Iraq, the, when we saw disruptions, there is, or, you know, the strikes on Ploesti in Romania with, in, the, in the 1940s, we have never seen in our time, whether that's the first Afghan war, whether that's the, uh, you know, the uh, the Iranian revolution in 1979, we've never seen any physical disruption of this magnitude. And it comes at a time when I think a lot of investors, a lot of speculators, a lot of people in the market were really focused uh, almost exclusively exclusively on uh, U.S.-China trade and the potential impact that that would have in slowing down global demand for just about everything. In the meantime, the situation in oil was uh, was getting a little bit more tense, not just with, with, with uh, missiles hitting various ships in the uh, Straits of Hormuz, but more importantly, uh, the overhang of oil, the glut of oil, started to really get reduced. And that's one of the reasons why this the timing of this comes... Uh, uh, you know, uh, obviously, it's never a good time for something like this to happen. It's almost unprecedented, and it may very well lead to shortages if it's not completely corrected. Or worse, we get into some conflagration, uh, a la locked and loaded, uh, which is what the president uh, tweeted yesterday.
0: Well, yeah, okay. So let's look at the geopolitical ramifications here. Uh, given that you know this is now obviously uh, something that may happen again. Given you know we've had a drone attack. U.S. says it's the Iranians behind it. Uh, You know, it came out of Yemen. But uh, it's the instability that's left the world shaken here and looking for alternative secure uh, resources, and that's the United States, I guess, dipping into their reserves. Even the uh, Saudis are saying they will. I can't help but say uh, it really compounds the frustration in this country. If we had uh, pipelines to tidewater, we could fill a large part of that gap, could we not?
1: We could, uh, and yet uh, we have yet another federal court blocking yet another attempt at getting the Trans Mountain Pipeline built. It just happened today. Uh, the city of Vancouver gets its way because it wants to block fossil fuels. Um, you know, I, it, it's it's frankly absurd uh, and surreal to see the kind of uh, you know hijinks going on in the courts with organizations blocking Canadian pipelines at a time when there's obviously a need for greater amounts of oil to get to the world, and Canada having the third largest provable reserves. Uh, is probably best positioned to do something. Why? Well, because Saudi Arabia can't do it right now for obvious reasons. And the number one uh, country with the greatest reserves, Venezuela, is of course an economic and uh, social basket case. It can't uh, fight its way out of a wet paper bag, much less be able to produce heavy or light oil. So Where's Canada in all this? Blocked. Blocked by, you know, uh, uh, groups that are committed to saying, well, we can live without fossil fuels. Uh, folks that walk around, walk on pavement, walk on cement, uh, use their uh, their phones that are made with uh, uh, hydrocarbons, uh, live a, a life a standard of living on parallel uh, ever. And in producing an oil that has arguably one of the best environmental stewardship records in the world, we seem to be dumbing down and of course, uh, you know, taking for granted the good things that we can do in this country. And it's really frustrating to see that, uh, It's a lost opportunity in the tens of billions of dollars that could pay for, I don't know, teachers' pensions, uh, kids' uh, programs, hospitals, and the like. So, again, Canadians have to start to wonder uh, whether this exercise of saying it's all about the climate and uh, denigrating fossil fuels is really uh, worth it at the end of the day, when we're really talking about uh, making a retrograde step backwards as a society into a time when we might very well be living uh, in a state of nature, eating acorns, wearing animal skins.
0: Dan McTague, senior petroleum analyst on the line. Well, you know, you were part of the political milieu there, and uh, so you understand how this works. It's frustrating, again, because uh, we've got the third largest oil reserves on the planet, if I understand correctly, Yep. and uh, they're landlocked, and yet... uh, We were talking, I guess it was late last week, to a researcher out on the West Coast, Vivian Krause, who's uh, followed a money trail and believes that we're being subverted in that regard by getting at the tidewater by a lot of foreign interests. uh, We are. Are we?
1: We are, definitely. I mean, Tides, Sierra Club, World Wildlife Federation, where Gerald Butts comes from, uh, and I'm not signaling him up because uh, part of the Liberal cabinet and the chiefs of staff come from those organizations. Uh, Trudeau went out of his way to uh, introduce uh, uh, Ecofiscal's uh, uh, new candidate, uh, Gibeau, who is a, a you know a radical uh, green folk uh, from from uh, from Montreal. Look, the Liberals have no intention of building pipelines. That's why they jammed through Bill, Bill C68 and Bill uh, Siris, Bill C69, Bill 48. No tankers and no future pipelines unless you. Uh, You know, you accommodate a number of very weird and uh, obviously irrelevant uh, checklists in order to make a pipeline work. But that aside, we're one of the few countries that's accepting foreign involvement, foreign interference and uh, the use uh, of money yeah, comes from external sources to stop only Canadian oil. Why is that weird? United has paid $4.5 bucks for a pipeline for Kinder Morgan, who then took that $4.5 bucks in the past year and a half and built a new pipeline in Texas. So it's good to see Canadian taxpayers funding U.S. oilmen and at the same time getting a pittance for our oil because, of course, it's in the American's interest to have Canadians on their knees, not able to build a pipeline to get to other markets, to get real money and to get real value for our resources.
0: Again because we're selling at a discount to the US they've got us over a barrel uh, literally and figuratively and there's uh, the interesting thing that you know there's no ban on tankers uh, say from Saudi Arabia yeah. coming down the St. Lawrence or up to St. Lawrence as opposed yep. to the West Coast where there's full-on tanker ban it tells me there's a double standard in play.
1: Well there's an absolute double standard and if you uh, are looking at uh, thinking this is wrong as most sensible Canadians are and certainly ones that enjoy our social programs a vote for the Liberal Party, the NDP, the Green, and the Bloc will give you the same result. And that's where we're heading this country. So I think folks are going to, have to get ready in willing to accept higher debts and deficits in this country, higher interest rates less social programs and, of course, uh, you know, unsustainable economic uh, uh, finances going forward. Because if you're going to denigrate and kick your major revenue uh, provider in Canada uh, in the head and continue to jump on it and say that the sky is falling and that there's a climate emergency, all these things are wonderful, but they're really based on hysteria, then at the end of the day, you're not going to have much in the way of social or economic policies to run your country. And there is now the real risk of a constitutional crisis post this election, which is coming definitely on equalization.
0: And Dan, uh, if memory serves, you were a member of the Liberal Party.
1: I saw this nonsense in 2008. Yeah, I sat in a chair, ironically, the last time we saw a major increase in the price of oil. It went up $13, $12 a barrel in one fell swoop. Uh, We had the energy bubble in 2008. We also had Hurricane Ike, which knocked out uh, most of the U.S. facilities, refinery facilities there. On that evening... Uh, I had the Conservatives where I wanted them. It was a federal election. Uh, I said we're getting ripped off. Uh, We're we're paying far more than we ought to, given the problems in the United States. I had everyone where I wanted. I knew my party wasn't uh, on the right move with the green shift. And I had Dion turn around after doing all that work, having Conservatives tell me, you got us. The announcing Canadians should get used to higher prices. That is what the Liberals are all about. They really don't care about the middle class. What they care about is achieving a certain international objective, and that objective, unfortunately, is pernicious to the bottom line of every Canadian. You cannot afford the policies of these four policies of these four parties.
0: Well, if there's an upside, and we'll leave on this, uh, my understanding is because of the calamity in the Middle East, uh, it may be drawing more investment back into the oil sands in Alberta, whereas many people have already divested and quit. Do you see that scenario?
1: No, but why would they invest? I mean, yes, you have the TSX uh, moving in a certain direction, but... If you're investing in oil, you can invest all you want in oil. You can produce all the oil you want. What are you going to do? Just leave it in, in silos, uh, in in in, uh, in reserve, in stockpiles, in inventories? There's only so much space we have at Hardesty, Alberta. You can't get it out anywhere. Uh, again, the uh, the pipeline blockers have been very effective, and I don't just mean the folks that are coming from outside and being funded to block pipelines. Let's not forget it was Justin Trudeau and his gang that killed Energy's pipeline, a pipeline that's two-thirds built. Let's not forget that he killed Northern Gateway, which had no reason to be cut. It had already passed a number of legal tests, including the federal court. Uh, And let's not forget that the Trans Mountain Pipeline, uh, if the federal government was serious, it would have defended itself uh, just a week and a half ago on 12 complaints. It could have stood up and said, we're pushing back on this. Enough is enough. It didn't. It didn't bother showing up. And it hasn't issued something called mobility permits. We don't know about that here in, in Eastern Canada, but Western Canada, they certainly know what it means. It means the ability to go out and start building pipelines. So when the Prime Minister comes in and says, we're building, we paid $4.5 point it's billion uh, bucks—it's—it's
0: a snow job. Well, apropos of the country, I guess.
1: Damn. Well, I'm willing to put my 18 years as a Liberal Member of Parliament, a Privy Councillor, and 37 years in Liberal Party. This is not the same Liberal Party, and they're definitely... Uh, working as hard as they can to undermine, destroy both Canada's energy sector and uh, really hurt Canadian manufacturing in the process with saddling them with all sorts of new regulatory wonderful things that no other country is subject to. We're ruining our country, and Canadians had better open their eyes by October 21st, or it may be too late.
0: Profound food for thought, Dan McTague, a member of the Liberal Party, just... uh several years back, I guess 2008, when he saw the light. I appreciate, well, it's an interesting uh, turn of fortune, so to speak. Uh, Always good to talk to you, Dan. I appreciate your insights.
1: Pleasure being here. Thanks again, John.
0: You got it, Dan McTagg, Senior Petroleum Analyst. Hmm. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.